This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Hello. The Sunshine Serial presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, the youthful Mary Hennig, schooled in crime by the treacherous Al Vincent, sees her plan to secure information concerning the Higgins letters, meeting with every success, and at the expense of none other than Lois Lane. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, some kids say it's out of this world. Some call it a dream dish. But everybody agrees that this week's pet dish of the week is a frolic of breakfast fun. It's a pep jamboree, you know, a dish that's just as nifty as its name. Now, here's how you make it. You pour out your regular serving of Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Cover with that gay mixture fruit cocktail and a little of the sweet syrup. Pour on milk and pitch into your pet jamboree. It's colorful, it's flavorful, it's terrific. You see, you dig down through the juicy chunks of fruit, the toasted flakes of Kellogg's Pep that are loaded with keen sunshine flavor. Why Pep tastes a bang-up good, you want to finish off every delicious spoonful in your bowl. And that's the right idea, you know, because you don't want to waste cereal, especially nowadays when we're sending the cereal grains to fellows and girls across the seas. So keep that in mind, gang, when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers. Make it your job to see that it's not wasted. Handle the package carefully if you pour your own pep. And polish off every bit you pour out. And say, kind of keep watch on your younger brothers and sisters, too. Make sure to eat all your pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. When Tony Sloan, a Daily Planet reporter, managed to secure several letters proving that Martin Higgins, candidate for mayor of Metropolis, is connected with gangsters and racketeers, editor Perry White was jubilant. Now, he told Clark Kent and Lois Lane, they could ensure the election of Henry Marshall, an honest man who had promised to wipe out the slums and thereby remove the worst breeding ground for juvenile delinquency. But somehow this came to the attention of Al Vincent, a crooked pawnbroker and political henchman of Higgins. Calling in Mary Hennig, a 15-year-old girl, also known as Chicky, Vincent offered her $100 to worm her way into the Daily Planet and retrieve the Higgins letter. 
Having met Lois Lane when the girl reporter had done some settlement work, Mary visited her, and by playing on Lois's sympathies with a phony hard luck story, made her an unwitting ally. As we continue today, Lois, her arm protectively around Mary's shoulder, is in Perry White's office, trying to secure for the seemingly nice girl a part-time job as Clark Kent stands by. Listen. I tell you, we are shorthanded around here, Chief. We need another office boy. I mean office girl. We don't need another office boy or an office girl either. But we do. Vinny should have someone to help him run copy. The poor boy is running himself ragged. Are you kidding? He never ran a step in his life. If I gave him an assistant, he'd sleep all day. Well, uh, Miss Williams needs help in the filing room, doesn't she, Clark? Huh? Oh, why, why, yes, yes. Come to think of it, Lois, Miss Williams has been looking rather tired lately. There, no, you I... see, Chief? Clark thinks we need Mary, too. I don't care what he thinks. I'm running this paper, and Mary I... Mary can help Beanie and Miss Williams, and me, too. What's more, I'm sure she'll develop into a fine reporter. Sure, look, Chief, Lois is right. After all, no, you can't... No, expect... no, no. <laughs> well, we've got all the help we need, and that's that. And furthermore... Now, I... you see what you've done, Chief? What I've done? Yes, you. Don't cry, Mary. What's the matter with you two? Can't you see this girl's too young to go to work? She belongs to school. Now, young lady, if you want to amount to anything, you need an education. Yes, sir. Lois explained that Mary only wants to work after school and on Saturdays, Chief. Then why does she have to pick on me? There are plenty of jobs to be had after school for bright youngsters. Well, that's right, Chief. But I want to work on the Daily Planet and get to be a reporter like Miss Lane. No, you do, I. But if you don't want to... Give me a chance. Now, there, there. Wait a minute. Take it easy, Mary. Lois, will you please make her stop that infernal crying? I, uh, I think you better take her out of here, Lois, for a minute. I will. But you haven't heard the last of this, Mr. White. Come along, Mary. Oh, all right. Goodbye, Mr. White. Goodbye. Have her wait in the city room, Lois. Wait? What for? Sit in that chair by the back Yes, Mary. I don't go away. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, Chief. You certainly should. I? Ashamed? What for? The way you treated that poor kid. Well, well I'll be... Perry White, the great crusader, the knight in shining armor, yes. the man who writes scathing editorials demanding that slums be wiped out, but, but not but one yes, word. The man who screams in bold-faced type that children of the slums have no opportunities to overcome their environment. Yes, and that but... we, the more fortunate members of society, are alone responsible for juvenile delinquency. Well, what's that and the first with... chance you get to personally help a deserving kid pull us out of the environment that may turn her into a delinquent, what do you do? You but, turn her down. But, but what's that got to do with me and the... Any planet. What are we running here? A social service agency? Oh, now, look, what am I we... supposed to do? Give a job to every prospective juvenile delinquent who takes it into his no, head? No, Chief, come in you're here. not supposed to. Nobody's asking you to do that. All I want you to do is to listen to this kid's story before you throw her out. Oh, all right, all right. Give it to me, but fast. Well, thanks. Well, here it is in a nutshell. Mary is one of six children whose father is dead and whose mother must support a family on a pension of $15 a week. What? $15 a week for a family of seven? That's right. And Mary figures that if she can earn the same amount, the total of $30 will just about see them through. So despite the fact that she dreamed of someday becoming a reporter, she's decided to sacrifice her ambition and quit school to get a job. Well, you know what that means. Probably that she'll never overcome her environment as long as she lives. And also that the first chance for easy money that comes her way will tempt her to grab it. Yes, and that, as you well know, results usually in a kid's becoming a juvenile delinquent. The lure of easy money through crime is a temptation hard to resist. You've said that a hundred times in your editorial, Chief. Sure, sure, I have. Everyone knows that. Oh, but here's a chance to save one youngster from falling into it. Don't you think it's worth $15 a week to give her a chance? She seems like a bright kid, too. Certainly deserves credit for her spunk. I'll say she does. And she is bright, too. She was the smartest one in my class. Seems to have a real knack for picking things up quickly. 
What do you say, Chief? Well, if what you say is true... Oh, Chief, you will give her the job. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't say that, and I won't commit myself either until we check her story. But, Chief... But uh-huh. how do we know that this, this sob story she gave you isn't a phony? Oh, no. After all, we can't just take on anyone without references. Oh, or... no, that's ridiculous. No, it Chief. isn't. No, the Chief's right, Lois. It is customary to check references. Nonsense, Clark. She's all the reference I need, and no. I'm prepared to take the full responsibility. Well, that's fine, but just What's the same... I'll even post a bond for her. What about a working permit? That's required, you know. I know. I'll see that she has one. You certainly are sold on that kid. Yes, I am. I think this is a fine chance for us to do something besides talk. All right, all right. For the love of Mike, get off the soapbox and bring her in here. She's hired. Now, Mary, I want you to understand that I'm hiring you without references and strictly on Miss Lane's say-so. Uh, I understand, Mr. White. Oh, gee, I hope you won't be sorry, Miss Lane. I know I won't, Mary. I certainly hope so. Now, you'll get $15 a week for coming in every day after school and all day Saturday. Oh, gee whiz, that's swell. When can I start? Right away. Uh, Lois, take her in and introduce her to Miss Williams and see that she meets the rest of the staff. Okay. Then come right back here because Tony Sloan should be here soon with those... Uh, wait a minute. Very wise speaking. Tony? Where are you? We were expect... Huh? What's that? Something wrong, Chief? Why, Kent. Go on, Tony. Yes. Yes, you sure? Oh, boy, that's wonderful. Swell. Are you... I'll contact Inspector Henderson. Uh, look, uh, what about those Higgins letters? I see. Uh, now, okay. Kent will meet you there at 9 o'clock. Right. Now, be careful now. Goodbye. <laughs> well, must have been good news. You certainly look pleased, mm. Chief. Like the cat that swallowed the canary. Yeah, swallowed Martin Higgins would be better. Hey, what's up? Tony discovered something new? And how. He's been digging into Higgins' background further, and he has just come up with another of that rat's dirty business partnerships. A pawn shop that serves as a fence for a gang of young hoodlums. <gasps> Wonderful. Uh, that's not all. The guy who runs the pawn shop, Tony says, conducts what amounts to a training school for boy and girl thieves. Good heavens, who is this monster? A man named Al Vincent. Al Vincent? Hey, what's the matter, Mary? Why have you turned so pale? As the color drains from Mary's face, Lois turns to her solicitously. While Perry White and Clark Kent, their eyes suddenly narrowing searchingly, look hard at the girl. Is she about to give herself away as Al Vincent's agent? What's the matter, Mary? Why have you turned so pale? Don't you feel well? No, I... Mary, do you know Al Vincent? Well, I... That is, yes, in a way. Well, what do you mean, in a way? Do you know anything about Vincent's so-called school for juvenile thieves? Oh, no, Mr. Kent. You're sure you don't know anything about the gang of young boy and girl hoodlums who meet in the club room back of his shop every week? No, sir. No, I don't. Well, then how do you know him, Mary? You can tell us. Well, it's just that I... I brought something into his shop to pawn once, and, well, he was very nasty to me. When you mentioned his name again, I, well, I, I just got scared all over again, remembering. Oh, you poor child. Now, now, don't you worry. He won't bother you or anyone else for a long time after tonight. What do you mean, Chief? Well, tonight's the night that Vincent holds his weekly meeting with the members of his juvenile crime club. Were you serious about that? Certainly. Tony Sloan got all the dope on that. And you, Kent, are to meet him in front of Vincent's pawn shop at 9 o'clock with Henderson, the detachment of police, to stage a raid on the joint. Well, what about the Higgins letter? Well, Tony's got him. He'll turn them over to you following the raid. Oh, and after that, both Martin Higgins and Al Vincent will find themselves where they belong, behind bars. Hello? Johnny? Yeah, who's this? Listen and get this to Al right away. The cops are going to raid Al's club room tonight at 9 o'clock. What? Shut up a minute. A guy named Tony Sloan, a reporter, is going to be waiting out front for him. He's got the Higgins letters. 
Got that? Yeah, sure. Okay. Now get in touch with Al right away and tell him everything I told you. And don't waste no time. Talking low and fast, Mary Henning, who is known to her juvenile delinquent associates as Chicky, reports the details of the impending raid on Al Vincent's den of young thieves and puts the finger of doom on Tony Sloan, Daily Planet reporter. Is this to be the crippling blow, the end to Clark Kent's and Perry White's campaign to wipe out the metropolis slums, breeding place of potential young criminals? Don't fail to hear what happens in the next tense and exciting episode. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, but with exclusive loot. Fun surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. (laughs) From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it! You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, Clark Kent and his friends at the Daily Planet are unaware of the duplicity of young Mary Honig as they plan their first attack against Al Vincent and his den of thieves. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, nobody wants a gloom box at the breakfast table in the morning. So if you want to show up with a sunny disposition and a sunny smile, get hep to that sunny breakfast cereal, Kellogg's Pep. Why, just one glimpse of those toasted whole wheat flakes, all golden and crisp, and you're bound to be in a good mood. You feel like eating a solid sort of breakfast that gives your day a happy start. You see, Kellogg's Pep is called the sunshine cereal. It's loaded with sparkling sunshine flavor. A comeback for more flavor that your appetite can really latch on to. And every flake is crisp and tender and mouth-watering good. Believe me, your first taste of Kellogg's Pep tells you that you're going to get a kick out of every last spoonful in your dish. And you know, that's the way it should be. Sure, because it's not good to waste cereal. And nowadays, the cereal grains are being sent to fellows and girls overseas. 
Keep that in mind when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers. Don't waste it. If you pour your own Pep, pour it carefully. And polish off every bit you pour out. Pass the word along to the rest of your family, too. Always make sure to eat all your Pep. Don't waste it. And now, the adventures of Superman. Sent to the Daily Planet to retrieve a file of letters proving that Martin Higgins, candidate for mayor of Metropolis, is connected with gangsters and racketeers. Mary Hennig, a tough young girl hoodlum, also known as Chicky, played on the sympathies of Lois Lane, and with her help secured a job on the paper. There she learned that the Higgins letters were in the possession of Tony Sloan, a Planet reporter, who was to deliver them to Clark Kent that night following a raid on the pawn shop of Al Vincent, Higgins' crooked political henchman. Unaware that because of Mary's double cross, he was a marked man, Sloan came to keep his rendezvous with Kent and his employer. As we continue now, the reporter, hat pulled down over his eyes, is standing in the black shadows of an alley, directly across the squalid slum street from Al Vincent's pawn shop. Consulting his wristwatch, he finds himself three minutes early. Wearily, he leans against a wall, then suddenly comes to attention as he hears cautious footsteps approaching. Whirling, he turns to find himself facing three dim, burly figures who slipped up behind him. You Tony Sloan? Yeah. Uh, no. I heard you the first time. Okay, guys. Grab him. No. Come on. Stop it. You're Heavily outnumbered, the Daily Planet reporter fights desperately but in vain. Soon his stifled cries and his struggles cease. Then a car roars away from the scene and the dark alley is once more deserted. A few minutes later, a police car pulls to a stop in front of Al Vincent's pawn shop. Another stops in the alley at the rear door. Clark Kent, Inspector Henderson, and Officer Healy step out of the first car and quickly enter the shop. Good evening, gentlemen. Are you Al Vincent? That's right. What can I do for you? I'm Inspector Henderson of the police department. Here's my shield. That's oh, a nice-looking shield. You want to pawn it, Inspector? Wise guy, huh? Never mind, Healy. Vincent, we have information that you maintain a headquarters for juvenile lawbreakers here and that you deal in stolen property. What? Now, wait a minute. I want to have a look around. Here's my search warrant. No, now, look here, Inspector. Come along. I want to look at your club room. What club room? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, no. No. I'm an honest mate. Stay it, Vincent. Open the door, Healy. Hold it, Inspector. Stand back, Kent. Go ahead, Healy. Nobody move this place is around. What the... Well, I'll be. Empty. I tried to tell you. There's nobody here. Of course there ain't nobody here. This is my storeroom. Storeroom? No kids. No jukebox. No card games. It's a lot of old junk. I thought you said this was Vincent's club room, Kent, and that he was holding a regular weekly meeting of his hoodlums tonight. That's right, Inspector, but apparently Mr. Vincent was tipped off to expect us. What do you mean I was tipped off? I got nothing to be tipped off about, see? I'm an honest merchant. I don't like cops busting into my place like I'm a crook. Why don't you... Just a moment, You want to look my place over for stolen property? Go ahead. But you won't find nothing. Oh, I'm sure we won't. Now, you won't find stolen property here ever. And no kid burglars either. You guys got a nerve busting in here. I'm I'm a citizen. I don't have to stand for raids and insults from a lot of... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm sorry, Mr. Vincent. It looks like somebody was talking through his hat. You bet he was. Tony Sloan doesn't talk through his hat, Inspector. I tell you, this raid was tipped off. Oh, yeah? Yes. Tony's too good a reporter to give us a false lead. Says you. Now, now, Vincent. Now, you ought to suck him up for this. Relax, pal. Relax, nothing. What about my reputation? What about... Take it easy. Take it easy. It was a mistake. You're sorry. Now, forget it. Come on, Kent. Healy, let's get back to the car. I can't understand it, Inspector. Well, I can. Just another example of how a trigger-happy reporter can parlay a phony tip into a lot of trouble for the police. Come on. Get in the car and let's go. Ah, uh-uh. I'm going to have a look around. For what? You saw there was nothing doing in Vincent's shop? Yes, but I'm convinced somebody tipped him off. Ah, rubbish. 
Who could have tipped him off when only you people at the planet and the men in my office knew about this raid? I don't know. But whoever it was may also have known that Tony Sloan was to meet us here with the evidence against Higgins in his pocket. And you think they grabbed him? I'm afraid of that. Go on your way off the base. Higgins is a bad boy, I know that. But I'm sure he wouldn't get mixed up with any strong-arm stuff. Not now, anyhow. Well, maybe he wouldn't, but I wouldn't put it past to this partner. Look, fella, the only thing you know about Vincent is what Tony Sloan told you. And so far, Sloan's been all wet. This story about Vincent's club room for juvenile delinquents is a phony. That goes for the stolen goods in the pawn shop, too. But Inspector, somebody must have tipped you. I don't because... buy that tip-off angle, Ken. For my money, Sloan's been talking through his fedora. No, 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 no. You don't know Sloan, Inspector. He wouldn't... I have... know all I want to know about him. And he's going to hear from me, but plenty. Are you coming with us or not? No. No, I'm sticking around for a look-see. Well, suit yourself. Headquarters, Healy. And fast. So long, Ken. And look... Don't bother me anymore with crackpot yarns dreamed up by some wacky reporter. What do you think, Inspector? Is that pawnbroker Vincent Chips? Or are them boys on the planet giving us the merry-go-round? Uh, how would I know? Sometimes I think those new- newspaper guys can cause more trouble than a prank. That's the radio for from headquarters. Me for you. Yeah. Somebody to give me the raspberry, no doubt. Henderson speaking. Inspector, this is Clark Kent. Kent? Hey, how did you get me on this radio phone? I'm connected through headquarters. Well, of all the brass-bound, nervy characters. Listen, Inspector, listen, this is urgent. Yes, it had better be. It is, believe me. You better get a dragnet out for Tony Sloan right away. Yeah, that'll be a pleasure. I'd sure like to get my... No, 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 listen, Inspector. Tony did come to meet us tonight like he said he would. What? But whoever wanted that incriminating evidence he took up on Martin Higgins got him before he had a chance to contact us. Hey, look. Is this still that same hunch you had before? This is no hunch. This is a fact. What makes you so sure, Kent? Well, in snooping around in an alley across the street from Vincent's store, I found signs of a struggle. Huh? And on the same spot, I found a wallet with the name Tony Sloan stamped on it. Uh-huh. Is that enough evidence to convince you? You bet it is. I'll get headquarters hopping on this right away. After reporting to Inspector Henderson his discovery of Tony Sloan's wallet near the signs of a scuffle in a dark alley, Kent returned to the scene to continue his investigation. There, his keen eyes found another, even more startling clue. Hey, what's this? Faint footsteps leading away from these scuffle marks. Looks like somebody was being dragged, too. Let's see where they go. They end right here around the corner. Hey, no wonder whoever grabbed Tony had a car waiting. Sure, there are the tire marks. Faint, but clear enough for my eyes. Oh, police siren. That must be Inspector Henderson's men coming to have a look at these clues. Something tells me I'd better not wait for them. No telling what might be happening to Tony while we stand here and gab. So this is where Superman takes over. Off with these clothes. <laughs> Changing swiftly from the guys in costume, Clark Kent to the blue and red costume of Superman, he streaks upward. Up! Up! And away! <laughs> then, like a mighty bird, the man of steel streaks away, his keen eyes following the faint, but to him, the distinct trail of tired below him. Well, whoever owns the car made it easy to follow. For those crisscross treads on his right front wheel and the suction cup on the left. Wait a minute. Can they be... Yes, they're leading to the river. And they stop there. Ah, down to that waterfront. Oh. 
Now, let's see. Car stopped here. Two men got out and went back in again and drove away. Great Scott, they must have thrown Tony into the river. Am I too late? Desperately warning for fear that this time he is too late to prevent murder, Superman stands for a moment on the bank of the Metropolis River, his keen eyes scanning the dark waters for what he is afraid may be a lifeless body. Then, up, up, and away! Rocketing up once again, the Man of Steel skims over the surface of the river, using his X-ray vision in a desperate attempt to find Tony Sloan, the reporter who risked his life to expose a vicious political ring that encourages juvenile crime and delinquency to further its own greedy purposes. Is Superman too late this time? Have the evil forces of political greed liquidated Tony Sloan, and with him the evidence which would blast their hopes for the continued development of juvenile delinquency? We'll know more Monday, so don't miss a minute of the next thrill-packed episode. Tune in again Monday, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC comic magazines, and is brought to you Monday through Friday, at the same time, by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. the Man of Steel despairs for the life of Tony Sloan as his widespread search of the waterfront reveals no trace of the missing reporter. Hello, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, I know a lot of fellas and girls who are all hepped up about how keen Kellogg's Pep tastes at breakfast. They say it's super terrific or uh, super duper or just plain super. But no matter how you say it, it all comes down to the fact that if you're hep to pep, you're hep to some super delicious eating. Just one glimpse of those crispy whole wheat flakes will tell you that. They're tender and they're crisp and toasted golden brown. And flavor? Why, Kellogg's Pep is called the sunshine cereal. It's loaded with sunny golden toasted flavor that sure tickles your taste. Each spoonful calls for more. Fact is, gang, Kellogg's Pep is really on the sunbeam. Makes breakfast so terrific, you'll want to eat hearty. And you won't want to leave one single flake in your bowl. And you know, that's the right angle, gang, especially nowadays when the cereal grains like the whole wheat and pep are being sent to fellows and girls overseas. So, hep to pep, gang. When mom brings Kellogg's pep home from the grocers, don't waste it. If you pour your own pep, pour it carefully and polish off every bit you pour out. Pass the word along to the rest of your family, too. Just remember, eat all your pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. 
As part of the Daily Planet campaign to destroy the root of juvenile delinquency, Clark, Lois Lane, and editor Perry White are spearheading a fight against the election as mayor of Martin Higgins, a corrupt politician. Victory seemed assured when Tony Sloan, a Planet reporter, gained possession of some letters which proved beyond doubt that Higgins was associated with racketeers suspected of encouraging juvenile delinquency to further their own greed. But before Sloan could deliver the damaging evidence, the finger of doom was placed on him by Mary Hennig, a tough young girl hoodlum who, schooled in crime by Al Vincent, Higgins' henchman, wormed her way into a job on the planet. When Sloan failed to keep an appointment, Kent as Superman followed the tracks of a car in which the reporter had apparently been taken away to a little frequented spot on the bank of the Metropolis River. Fearing the worst, the man of steel streaked out over the blackened water, circling and darting like some strange bird as his keen eyes searched for a floating body. Looking several minutes and still find no sign of Tony. If he were in the river, I should have seen him by now. Surely the tide couldn't have carried him further than this. But if they didn't throw him in, what could they have done with him? Well, this thing won't help. The only thing to do is to go back to the city, pick up those tire tracks again, and hope for the best. Away! Reversing his direction, Superman streaks back upriver toward the lights of Metropolis to begin anew his search for Tony Sloan. But unseen by the man of steel, the object of his search lies still in apparently likeness in shallow, brackish water, hidden in the inky darkness under an abandoned loading dock. Then suddenly, for a split second, a reflected gleam of light from a passing tugboat falls eerily on the white face of the half-submerged man as Superman rockets by. His keen eye attracted, the red and blue-clad figure stops for a moment, hangs poised in midair. Wait a minute, what's that? Could it be? Yes, it's the body. It's the body of a man. Down! It's Tony. Unconscious, but still alive, thank you. Tear these ropes off first. There we are. Now to get him to a doctor in a hurry. Up! Now, look here, Tony. I'd feel a lot better if you'd spend the night in the hospital. Well, thanks for being concerned, Chief, but I'm okay. The doctor told me to go home, take a hot bath, and get a good night's sleep. In the morning, I'll be good as new. All right. All right. Do as you please. Uh, Before we leave, Tony, can you tell us what happened? Sure. Here's the story. I got down to Al Vincent's pawn shop a little before 9 o'clock, the time set to raid the place. Hmm? Because I wanted to be there when you arrived with the police, Kent. I see. I was waiting in an alley across the street when suddenly three men came along out of the shadows. One of them asked me if I'm Tony Sloan. I said yes. One of them slugged me. And that's all I remember until I woke up on the floor of a fast-moving car. Good heavens. Oh, rats. Think you'd know any of those thugs if you saw them again? I don't think so, Kent. It was too dark to see what they looked like. But I did hear them talking, and I heard enough to learn who hired them to wipe me out. You did? Who was it, Tony? Al Vincent, the pawnbroker. You mean the one who was raided tonight? That's right. You sure of that? Did you actually hear them speak of Vincent? Well, not exactly. That is, what I heard was one of the men saying something about being anxious to get his hands on the hundred dollars a man named Al was going to get for this job. A man named Al? Well, what does that prove? There are hundreds of men named Al. I know that, but... As I told you, I also know for a fact that Al Vincent is Higgins' partner. In what way, Tony? Well, Vincent encourages juvenile delinquency, baiting underprivileged kids with the lure of easy money. He teaches them to steal and dispose of their stolen goods. Then he splits the take with Higgins. Well, Tony, we couldn't find any proof of that when we raided his place tonight. I know, but it's obvious that somebody tipped him off about the raid. One of the mugs who got me mentioned somebody named Chicky who put the finger on me. Chicky? Who could that be? Search me. Well, it doesn't matter much now, anyway. Without the Higgins letters to prove what we know about him, I'm afraid we're sponsoring a lost cause. Yes, Lois, I'm afraid you're right. Nothing doing. We've got to fight this thing through, letters or no letters. Hey, wait a minute. What do you mean by that? Well, without the letters, we've what could... still got the Higgins letters. What? Are you what kidding? Do you mean, Tony? I was afraid something like this might happen. 
So I put a fat envelope in my pocket labeled Higgins Correspondence. Actually, the envelope held nothing more than blank paper. And that's what those mugs got. Well, that's Tony. That the real letters are in the mail. Now, addressed to you at the office, Chief. They should arrive in first delivery tomorrow morning. Well, I take my hat off to you, Tony. That was the <laughs> smartest piece of work I've seen in a long time. <laughs> that goes double for me, my boy. And when this election is over, you'll find a nice bonus in your envelope. Thanks, boss. Oh, I'd give a lot to have seen the faces on those gangsters when they opened the envelope to find it empty. <laughs> I'd give a lot more to see Mr. Al Vincent's face when he finds out how Tony fooled him. <laughs> At the very moment when our friends are enjoying a laugh at his expense, Al Vincent, his swarthy face purple with rage, vents his wrath on a pair of unhappy thugs who squirm uncomfortably in the back room of Vincent's pawn shop. You stupid dope, some jerks that you are! But, boss, we, we thought these was the Higgins letters. You thought? With what? If you wasn't so stupid, you'd have brought that Sloan character to me, and I'd have found out what he'd done with the real letters. Oh, well, well, I guess maybe we just didn't think fast enough, huh, boss? You guess you didn't. <laughs> Why, you whacked up apes. I ought to have to carry a tossed in after Sloan. Oh, uh, get out of my sight before I lose my... Okay, okay, we're going, but look. What about the payoff? Payoff? I'm paying you off with your lives. Now beat it out of that back door, I'll change it. Okay, my... okay, we're going. Come on, please. Of all the bird brain jokes, I had to pick them too. Uh, this has got to work. If it don't, Higgins' chances ain't worth a plug nickel. And if he ain't elected mayor, I'm out of business. In more ways than one. Hello. Yep, Higgins and me. Higgy? Yeah, yeah, who's this? This is Al. Come on over to my shop right away. No. No, I'll... Don't I'll give gonna... me that stall routine, kid. Do like I say. Come on over and don't waste no time. You see, Chicky? This guy Sloan was too smart to get grabbed with them letters on him. Now we got to find out what he'd done with them. And that's where you... Wait a minute, Ella. I don't want to have no more to do with this. Are you kidding? No. Now, this has gone further than I thought it would. You didn't tell me you was going to kill him. Look, Chicky. I don't have to tell you no more than I want to say... Besides, you're in it now, up to your teeth, whether you like it or not, see? No. No, I'll... I'll... You want to get turned into the cops for a juvenile delinquent? No. Want to get no. sent to a reformatory or maybe even to the big house for being what they call an accomplice oh, no. tomato? No, no, I, I then, don't want to... Then put yourself together and work with me. Because the only thing that can help you is electing Hicks mayor. If he gets in office, he'll protect you and me and the others. And if them letters get printed in the Daily Planet, he ain't got a chance. And neither do you. You get it? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Okay, stop blubbering and listen. Employing intimidation through threat of exposure, a method common to those who develop and use juvenile delinquents to perform and take the blame for their dirty work, Al Vincent has retained his hold over Mary Hennig, a young hoodlum also known as Chicky. Now, frightened, she listens as Vincent tells her what he wants her to do. Lone character must have put them up in a pretty safe place. And I figure he told the people on the planet just what he wants done with them. What I want you to do, Chicky, is find out where they are. But how well? Who do you think would tell me? That Lois Lane dame. She's a big shot there. She'd know. Um, maybe she would. All right, so you got to figure a way to make a spill. Look, you put it over on her once and you can do it again. you got to do it. Tonight. Tonight? But why don't... We've no time to wait. Come on, I'll drive you over to her apartment. You'll go up and give her some kind of a yarn about being worried over something in the office and get her talking. Well, uh... Okay, I'll try it. But what if she won't spill? If she won't spill to you, she'll talk for me. I got ways of making her. Know what I mean? As Mary Hennig, alias Chicky, leaves with Al Vincent to pay Lois Lane a visit, the girl reporter seated in Clark Kent's car in front of her apartment has been heatedly defending the young Lum against Kent's suspicions. 
What's more, I think it's small and unfair for you to suspect even for one minute that a sweet child like Mary Henning could tip off the race. Well, now, forget your feminine emotions for a minute, Lois, and be sensible. Outside of the police, only you, the chief, Mary, and I knew about the raid and the appointment with Tony to pick up the letters. Clark, you have You didn't tip Vincent, did you? Do you think the chief or I did? Oh, don't be ridiculous, Clark. Well, all right. It leaves only Mary Henning, a kid about whom we know little or nothing except that she was in your journalism class at the settlement. Isn't it reasonable, then, to suspect no, that No, it is have... not reasonable. Well, I am not? convinced that Mary's as blameless as, as we are. Now, look. And I refuse to discuss this any further. But, but wait, Lois. Good I'll... night, Mr. Kent. Lois. Curious, Lois Lane strides into the entrance to her apartment house as Clark Kent drives away. Neither of them aware that during their argument, Mary Hennig sat in Al Vincent's car less than half a block away, waiting for just this moment to again use Lois as an unsuspecting accomplice in their plot to maintain the evenness of juvenile delinquency through corrupt politics. Will Lois once again fall for the clever lying of the young girl hoodlum whose assignment is to locate the incriminating evidence against Al Vincent's candidate for mayor of Metropolis? The next episode in this exciting expose of juvenile delinquency tells the story. So don't miss it. Tune in again tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyright feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P, Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, Al Vincent makes another attempt to secure the incriminating Higgins letters. And by threat of exposure, he again forces a task on young Mary Hennig. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, I think the Kellogg Company dreamed up a nifty name for this week's pep dish of the week. Date bait. Yes, sir. That's the new pep dish of the week. Date bait. And it tastes just as terrific as it sounds. Here's the idea. In your breakfast bowl, make alternate layers of Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, and dates. You know, cut them into fairly small pieces. That's easy, isn't it? First Pep, then dates, then more Pep, and so on. Pour on milk, and you have date bait, the Pep dish of the week. A slick treat that sure does bait your morning appetite. Mm-mm. What those tender, crisp flakes of Kellogg's Pep do for the dates. And how that golden toasted sunshine flavor does rise and shine. No kidding, gang. Kellogg's Pep has such a catchy come-on flavor, you can hardly wait to dig in and polish off every last spoonful in your bowl. And you know, that's the hep thing to do. Nowadays, the cereal grains are being sent to fellows and girls all around the world. So, gang, when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers, make yourself a committee of one to guard against waste. If you pour your own Pep, pour it carefully and eat up every bit you pour out. Remember... Eat all your pep. Don't waste it. And now, the adventures of Superman. In a campaign to wipe out the slums, 
on the theory that underprivileged children in such areas were often forced by circumstances to become juvenile delinquents, Clark Kent and his colleagues on the Daily Planet opposed the election of Martin Higgins, whom they knew to be a corrupt politician. When Al Vincent, the Higgins henchman and crooked pawnbroker, learned that a Planet reporter had gained possession of some letters that linked Higgins with a ring of racketeers who furthered the crime careers of juvenile delinquents, he assigned a clever young girl hoodlum to find their hiding place. The girl, Mary Hennig, also known as Chicky to her associates, played on Lois Lane's sympathies to worm her way into a job on the planet, where she learned that the incriminating letters were held by a reporter named Tony Sloan. Vincent had Sloan picked up, but was outwitted by the reporter who carried only a dummy package in his pocket. Believing that Lois knew where the evidence was hidden, Vincent insisted that Mary, alias Chicky, wheedle the information from her. As our story continues today, we find Mary seated in Vincent's car, parked about half a block from Lois's apartment house. Listen. Yeah. Lucky thing we saw them before we pulled up to the joint. Yes, sure is. What time is it, Al? Um, one o'clock. Gee, it's late. Wonder what they're talking about at this hour. I don't know. Maybe about Sloan disappearing. Don't say it, Al. It's a murder, Chicky. Ain't you got no gut? Not a murder, I ain't. I didn't mind so much doing stealing and spying jobs with the other kids for you, but I didn't count on getting mixed up with no killing. If I get it, it's done now, and you're in it with the rest of us. But I... Now, there ain't no buts. If we get caught, you're a cinch for a long stretch. Maybe even a hot seat. No. No, they can't do nothing to me. I, I didn't do it. I, I didn't even see slow. But you put the finger on him. Don't forget that. Oh, why did I ever get mixed up with stuff like this? Why didn't I listen to my mother and say... Ah, cut your blubbering. This ain't no time to think of that. It's too late. I know. I know. All right. So now you know you got to stop at nothing to get them Higgins letters away from that newspaper. Because if you don't, Higgins' chances for election is washed up. And without him, we ain't got no protection, get that? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. But look Hey, wait. Up. She's getting out of the car. See? Yeah. And there goes that Kent guy. Okay, Chicky, go do your stuff. I'll be waiting at the Porsche up to hear from you. Why, Mary Hennig, what are you doing here at this hour? Oh, excuse me for bothering you, Miss Lane, but I, I was just so worried I had to see you. Worried? What about, Mary? Oh, about you. You see, I... I've been calling and calling you on the telephone all evening. Why? What's the matter? Well, I was afraid maybe something had happened to you. Well, I don't understand. You see, I heard about that raid that was going to be made on the pawn shop tonight, and I was afraid you'd gone along, and there was trouble, maybe. Oh, and you mean that you came all the way uptown alone at this time of the night because you were worried about me? Yes. Oh. You see, it's just that well, nobody's ever been as nice to me as you have. You got me a job on the paper so that I could help my family and everything. Now you stop talking like that. I'd love to ask you up to my apartment, but it's so late, and we both need a good night's sleep. Okay, but, uh, did everything work out? I mean, it... Yes, everything's fine, thanks, Mary. There really wasn't any cause for your concern. You see, something important came up, which made it necessary for Mr. White, Mr. Kent, and me to see Tony Sloan. Tony Sloan? Oh, yes. You mean they found... Uh, I mean, they... Uh, what's the matter, Mary? Well, nothing. Only, isn't he the one who found the letters about Martin Higgins? Yes, that's right. Then we... That is, the Daily Planet has the letters. Yes, Mary, we have. But they almost cost Tony his life when somebody who somehow learned he had them came within an inch of killing him. Holy smoke. Oh, sure, I'm glad he got away all right. Oh, aren't we all? And what's more, he got away with the letters that will put Mr. Higgins out of the running. He did? Gee whiz, how? Oh, Tony's pretty smart. He fooled his attackers by carrying a dummy package of blank papers in his pocket. Oh, golly, how clever. Uh, what did he do with the real letters? Oh, now that's the neatest trick of the century. Uh-huh. But it's a deep, dark secret. At oh. least until after they're published in tomorrow's first edition of The Planet. Oh, gee, tell me about it, please, Miss Lane. Uh-uh, nothing doing, young lady. Besides, it's getting much too hard. Oh, gee, please, Miss Lane. Now, Mary. Look, you can trust me. Besides, I am part of the Daily Planet staff now. 
I mean, aren't I? Yes, but just as Oh, come on, please tell me, Miss Lane. Gee, you've got to tell me, because... Well, if you don't, I bet I won't even sleep a wink tonight. I must say you're persistent and persuasive. You mean you will tell me? I'm afraid if I'm to get some sleep tonight, and you too, I'd better tell you, have you? Yeah, I mean, yes, I guess you'd better. Where are the letters, Miss Lane? Well, I still think I shouldn't give in. But, well, all right, I'll tell you this much. A man dressed in a gray brass button uniform will deliver them to the planet office tomorrow morning. A man in a gray uniform? Right. Now I think you've got Oh, you mean a mailman? Uh-uh, now I've told you all I'm going to, young lady. I've got to call Jimmy Olsen, and it's way past the time you should be in bed. I suppose so. Well, I'll go now, Miss Lane. Good night. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah? Hello? Yeah, Chicky? Uh-huh. Oh, get the dope? Yeah, but... Well, I hated to do it. She's so swell. Forget it. This ain't no time to go soft. Okay, okay. I was just thinking that. Though. Well, cut it out. Can you talk? Yeah, I'm in a phone booth in an all-night drugstore. Well, be careful. Nobody ain't listening. If somebody goes into the... I booth... know. I know what to do. I ain't no dope. Okay. What'd you find out? Where's them letters? In the mail. What? Yeah. Sloan figured he might get grabbed, so he mailed them to the Daily Planet. Well, I'll be... Smart, huh? Yeah, you can say that again. Plenty smart. And it almost worked, too. What do you mean, almost? Because we're smarter, see? We're going to grab them out from right under their noses. How are we going to do that? Easy, Chicky. You're going to get them. Me? Sure. You work for the planet, don't you? Yeah, but... Well, you're going to get to work early in the morning, before the first mail delivery comes oh, in. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. You're going to be waiting for that package of letters and then snatch them before the others ever get there, see? Oh, no, Ella. I can't do it. What? I can't, I tell you. I'm scared. I wanted to get out of this. You talked me into getting this dope from Miss Link. So I've done it. So what? So now I want out, that's what. Are you kidding? No, Ella, honest. Miss Lane, well, she kind of makes me want to go straight. Look, Chicky, if I was you, I'd get them silly ideas out of my head. Because we got enough on you to put you away for a long stretch in a reformatory as a juvenile delinquent, see? Yeah. Yeah, I see. Okay. So be smart and do like I say. Get down to the planet office at 6.30 in the morning when the first mail delivery comes in. Grab them letters, bring them down to me, and from then on, we'll all be sitting pretty with nothing to worry about. <laughs> to continue a criminal career under threat of exposure to the police, Mary Hennig, using her employee's pass, enters the Daily Planet building as the bank tower clock strikes the half hour after six in the morning. Proceeding through the deserted city room, she finds several packages of mail on a desk and is just about to go through them when suddenly... Hey, what are you doing with that mail? Huh? You heard me. I said, what are you doing with that mail? Why, I was just going to sort it. Oh, yeah? Who are you? I'm the new office girl. See, here's my pass. Let's see. Mary Hennig. Oh, you're the girl Miss Lane brought in, huh? Uh-huh. Well, I'm glad to meet you. I'm James Olson. Uh, I'm uh, a reporter. Oh. Well, I'm glad to meet you, too, Mr. Olson. Oh, you can call me Jim. Everybody else does. Gee, thanks. Golly, I'd like to get to be a reporter someday, too. Well, work hard and stay on your toes and... Well, maybe you'll make it someday. I sure hope so. Incidentally, what are you doing here so early in the morning? I thought you only worked after school. Well, uh, uh, there is no school today, and I, I thought maybe I could be useful. You know, sorting mail and stuff like that. Oh, well, don't bother about that now. Oh, it's no bother. Here, let me go through no, this. No, not now, I said. Something very important in this mail, and I want to look for it first. Oh, okay. Oh, look, uh... You can help me carry them into the chief's office if you want to. All right. Then after I find the important envelope I'm looking for, you can sort out the others, okay? Sure, you bet. Swell. You grab those two packages and follow me. I've got them. 
Go on. I'm right behind you. Walking two steps behind the unsuspecting young reporter, Mary Hennig, desperate in the knowledge that failure to get the Higgins letters will put her at the mercy of a wrathful old Vincent, opens her handbag noiselessly and closes her strong fingers around a hard, flat metal object. As they enter Perry White's office, the girl tough, vicious, steely glint in her eyes, is only one step behind Jimmy Olsen. What is she going to do? Don't miss the next action-packed episode in this dramatic story of corrupt politics and juvenile delinquency. Tune in again tomorrow. Same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Comic Magazines, and it's brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-P-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, Jimmy Olsen has momentarily blocked Mary Hennig's attempts to secure the Martin Higgins letters, and at the same time, has placed himself in imminent danger. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. People who know say that it's a mighty tough job to handle your schoolwork all morning unless you've had a good solid sort of breakfast. And people who know what's good say that when Kellogg's Pep heads the breakfast menu, you're bound to want to eat hearty. Yes, sir, Kellogg's Pep sure does give your appetite the old one-two. Because it looks so good in the first place, all golden and toasted and crisp. And because Pep tastes so sunny and inviting. 
You know, Kellogg's Pep is called the sunshine cereal. It's packed to the brim with full, smooth sunshine flavor. Every time you dig down in those crunchy, delicate flakes, your spoon comes up with mighty keen eating that tastes like more. Why, before you know it, you've polished off every last flake in your bowl. And a good thing that is, too, because the cereal grains have been picked out to give that swell grain nourishment to fellows and girls all over the world. So get hep to pep, gang. Don't waste it. When Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers, take special pains to make sure there's no waste at your house. Handle with care is the idea if you pour your own cereal. And eat up every bit you pour out. Always eat all your pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. So far, only Clark Kent has expressed even the slightest hint of suspicion regarding 15-year-old Mary Hennig, a seemingly nice girl who was actually a tough juvenile delinquent known as Chicky. Lois Lane doesn't dream that Mary, playing on her sympathies, used her to get a job on the Daily Planet, where she learned that a packet of letters exposing the dishonesty of corrupt politicians for whom she was sent to spy was expected in the first mail delivery at the newspaper office. Reporting this to her boss, Mary was forced under threat of exposure for past crimes and the prospect of being sent to a reform school to attempt to steal the incriminating evidence. Arriving at the planet offices before any of the others, Mary was about to go through the mail when Jimmy Olsen came in, gathered it all up, and asked her to help him sort it. As we continue today, Jim, his arms filled with packets of mail, is just entering Editor Perry White's empty office. A step behind him, Mary, desperate, her eyes gleaming wickedly, is just withdrawing a heavy, flat metal object from her handbag. I'll dump this stuff on Mr. White's desk and you can help me sort it, Mary. Sure. I'll help you, Jim. As the young reporter deposits the mail on Perry White's desk, Mary, making no sound, moves up behind him. Raising the metal object in her hand, she's about to bring it down on Jim's unsuspecting head when suddenly, a spasm of frustrated fury contorts her face. Who's that? Huh? Who's what? Just come into the city room. Sounds like it might be Mr. White and Mr. Cannon. Oh, of all the dirty breaks. What? Oh, not not. Say, what's the matter with you? Who, me? What do you mean? Oh, I don't know. You looked awfully funny just now. Funny, Jim? Yeah. Real tough. You talk tough, too. Oh, oh that, that was only an act. You know, just for laughs. <laughs> laughs, huh? I had a feeling that... That what, Jim? Oh, just skip it. Well, I now. told Jim to check the mail, but like you, I couldn't wait to see for myself. With the... Oh, there you are, Olsen. Yeah, good morning, Chief. Uh, Jim, did you find any... Oh, Jim? Uh, say, what are you doing here so early, young lady? Yes, you're not supposed to be here till after school, Mary. Oh, I know, sir, but... Well, there's no school today, and I, I thought I might be able to make myself useful. Now, look here. I didn't get up in the middle of the night to stand here gabbing. What about that package of Higgins letters? You find it yet? Uh, no, we were just going to go through the mail. Well, come on, all of us. Kent, uh, and you too, Mary. Uh, yes, Let's sir. all go through this batch of mail and find the envelope. Okay, I'll take this bunch. Here, here's one for you, Chief. Oh, Jim, Mary, you look through these. Uh, right. Tony said he mailed them addressed to me in a long white envelope. A long envelope? Yeah, that's right. He mailed it at about 8.30 last night, so it ought to be here. It's got to be. Here. It look good. Oh, no. No, this is from the bank. Oh, Olson, don't do that to me. I think this is it. Where? Well, let's see. Yes, it is. There's a note from Tony inside, and what's huh? more... How do you know, Mr. Kent? Huh? How? Uh, here, give oh, me that envelope oh, and uh, stop uh, acting like an idiot, Kent. Okay, take it easy. Uh, I'm going to read through it. Who do you think you are, Superman? Well, if you really want to know... Oh, no, no, stop it. Stop it. Why can't I get this confounded envelope open? Yeah, there. Are they the Higgins letters, Chief? Oh, well, let's see. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, they certainly are. Here, here, listen to this. What? Dear Marty, enclosed you will find a check for the 20 grand you asked for. If it helps maintain our prosperity, it will be well worth it. Here's to a successful campaign, your friend George Conroy. George Conroy? Isn't he the slot machine king? That's right. Yes, and he's making a $20,000 contribution to Higgins' campaign. Oh, boy, will this look good on our page one. 
Certainly links Higgins with a racket. Yes, and how? Indeed. Boy, oh boy, do we have him nailed now. What's all the excitement about? Oh, good morning, Miss Lane. Good morning. Good uh, morning, Lois. Hello. Look, the evidence against Higgins. All we need to smack him flatter than a postage stamp. Oh, that's swell, Chief. Now we can... Why, Mary Hennig. I just realized that it was you who said good morning to me. What are you doing here? Well, oh, Never mind that now, Lois. Here, look at this. Here, here's a letter from the Williamson Realty Company. That, uh, that's the outfit that owns all the slum tenements. What do they say? Oh, plenty. Listen. And in, uh, and in consideration of our substantial contribution, we hope for your continued support of our fight against the so-called slum clearance bill. Ah, how do you like that? Oh, that's wonderful. When we print that one, it'll cost Mr. Higgins plenty of votes. Who are the other letters from, Chief? Uh, yes. Let's see. Here's one from Earl Lake. Uh, that's the fellow who runs all the pool rooms. This one's from Mush Brown. Mush Brown? Wow, mm-hmm. that's a Blue Ribbon number. Who's Mush Brown? Nobody, just the man who runs the numbers racket. No, wait, that's not all. Now, let's see. There are three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight letters in all from as many unsavory characters. All big shot racketeers. Mm-hmm. That's what a haul. Let's put Mr. Higgins where we want yes, him. Yes, sir. Right behind the eight ball. Look, Chief, let's run one of these letters with a feature story on page one every day. That's exactly what I plan to do. We'll start with the Conroy letter, Kent, so knock out two columns to go with it right away. You bet. Have it ready to set up in an hour. Good. Now, uh, Lois... I want you to do a story on juvenile delinquency in the slums to prepare our readers for the Realty Company letter we run tomorrow. Okay, Chief. Make it clear how Higgins promotes juvenile delinquency by fighting the slums clearance bill. Right. They include all the details. Spare nothing and no one. You want me, Chief? Yes, I want you to take these Higgins letters and put them in our morgue. What? In the morgue? That's right. In the clipping board. Uh, are you kidding, Chief? No, I'm not kidding, you young numbskull. But, but... You don't argue with me, do as I say. Okay, you're the boss. You bet I am. I'm the boss because I'm smarter than you are. Because I realize that anyone desperate enough to attempt murder to get these letters isn't going to stop at cracking a puny off a safe. Oh, I get it. You think they never think to look in the morgue, so... Exactly. Now go ahead, file them on the rate. Lock that file cabinet, bring the key back, and put it in the upper right-hand drawer in my desk. Okay, but look, suppose someone has to use that file. Well, you tell them to come to me. If I'm not here, you'll know where to find the key. Now, you go with whoever wants it and see that they keep their hands off those letters. Check. Oh, I'll be glad when we have them photostatted and in the hands of the DA. Gee, so will I. All right. Here, get going. I'm on my way. Hey, what are you standing around here for? Why, I... uh... Have you been here all the time, Mary? Well, yes, sir. I I thought maybe you'd have something for me to do, so I... All right, all right, all right. Uh, Olsen, go on about your business. Uh, Here, Mary, as long as you're anxious to do something, sort the rest of this mail and see that it it is distributed. Yes, sir. Uh, Now, let's see if we can get some action around here. Within a few hours after Clark Kent blow his lane and Barry White swing into action, the huge presses of the Daily Planet begin rolling with an account of Higgins' association with racketeers. The opening blast in the campaign to defeat the corrupt political powers which encouraged the development of juvenile delinquency in Metropolis. Later that day, after the Planet's first edition had been declared a sellout, Barry White is in the city room congratulating his staff on the fine job they had done when Jimmy Olsen announces an insistent caller. I told him you were busy, Chief, but he insists he's got to see you on important official business. Official business? Uh-huh. That's quite right, sir. You're Mr. Perry White, I take it? Yes, but who are you? I, sir, I'm a process server here to serve you with a summons and a suit filed by Martin Higgins what? against you, sir. Your publisher, John W. Grayson, and members of your staff, to Whit Clark, Canton, Lois Lane, co-defendants. That suit claims one million dollars damages for false and malicious slander against the plaintiff, Martin Higgins. Wow. Here you are, sir. Good day. <laughs> Momentarily stunned by the process service announcement of Martin Higgins' counteroffensive against them, our friends stare at each other blankly as they realize how a million-dollar slander suit can ruin not only the Daily Planet, but their campaign for clean government and good citizenship. What will happen? 
Frantic with worry, Perry White, Lois Lane, and Jim Olsen feel as though the world is toppling about their ears as a result of Martin Hagen's million-dollar slander suit against them. When suddenly, Kent breaks the tension by chuckling. Hey, wait a minute. It's ridiculous for us to sit here worrying when all we have to do is present those letters and evidence of what we've said about Higgins, and the case will be thrown out of court. Why, George, you're right, Kent. Of course. How silly of us not to have thought of that before. Well, come on. Let's go to the morgue where I told Jimmy to hide those letters. I'd like to have another look at them to ease my blood pressure. Okay, I'll show you where they are. Follow me. There it is. The H file. Imagine that nerve of that Higgins guy pulling a stupid bluff like this. Maybe he doesn't know we've got the letters. Oh, he knows, all right. I'm sure of that. This is just a bluff to confuse the voters and frighten us. Well, we'll scotch his little game right now. I'm going right over to the DA's office with these letters and... Oh, wait a minute, Chief. Well, what's the matter? Jim, you sure you put those Higgins letters in this file? Oh, sure I did, Mr. Kent. Then I locked it and put the key in the chief's desk, like he told me to. Have you got the key, Chief? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, here, here it is, but... Uh... What are you dropping at, Clark? We'll see in just a minute. Open the file, Chief. All right, but for Pete's sake, Kent, I want you to act like this. You make me nervous. You talk like you don't think the letters are there, Mr. Don't even suggest I... that, Jim. Well, Chief? Great Scott. The letters are gone. His face drained of color. Too shocked even to question how Clark Kent knew the letters were missing from the locked file. Harry White stares helplessly at Kent, Lois, and Jimmy. All of whom now realize they are at the mercy of Martin Higgins. With even Superman powerless to help. What has happened to the vital letters? The evidence upon which rests the fate of the dead planet and the welfare of the people of Metropolis. Tomorrow's episode tells the dramatic story. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. Subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loop on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as 11 dollars per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot u-s forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Kellogg's pet. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. 
today, Clark Kent and his friends at the Daily Planet are dumbfounded for the important Higgins letters placed so carefully in their files have suddenly and mysteriously vanished. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. Say, talk about getting around. You can't beat Kellogg's Pep. Why, Just Pep with milk and sugar starts off thousands of breakfasts every morning. And this week's Pep Dish of the Week is catching on, too. It's Date Bait, a mighty smooth combination. How about trying it tomorrow morning? All you do is to put a layer of Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, in the bottom of your bowl. Scatter the top with a few pieces of dates. You know, cut into fairly small pieces. Then another layer of Pep, more dates, and on up until you're ready to add milk and pitch in. How those tender flakes of Kellogg's Pep do liven up this breakfast dish. Keen sunshine flavor sure does rise and shine. Makes you want to concentrate on all that good eating until you've finished off every bit. And you know, that's the way it should be. Because it's not a good idea to waste cereal. Particularly nowadays when we're sending the cereal grains to fellows and girls around the world. So, gang, when Tom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers, make sure there's no waste at your house. If you pour your own Pep, pour it carefully. And polish off every bit you pour out. Pass the word along to the rest of your family, too. Always make sure to eat all your pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. In possession of letters proving that Martin Higgins, candidate for mayor of Metropolis, is associated with gangsters and racketeers, Clark Kent wrote the opening blast in the Daily Planet's campaign against the evil influences represented by Higgins. But the paper was not long on the street before the editor, publisher, and two star reporters of the planet were made co-defendants in a lawsuit for $1 million dollars brought against them by Higgins, who accused them of false and malicious slander. Secure in the belief that the letters in their possession would bear out their accusations and invalidate Higgins' suit, Mary White, Clark Kent, and Lois Lane were contemptuous of what they called an empty bluff. Just to satisfy themselves, they went to the Clippings morgue, where Jim Olsen had hidden them to have a look at the Higgins' letters, and to their consternation and dismay, found them missing. As we continue today, we find Kent, Lois, and Jim in the editor's office after a thorough search of the premises had revealed no trace of the vital correspondence. White, his face drawn and haggard, is beside himself with anxiety. Listen. Oh, I'm afraid we're licked. Finished. Done. Now, look, Chief. Oh, let's face it, Kent. Without those letters to back up what we said about Higgins and today's paper, we lose our fight against his election. And he's a cinch to win his slander suit against us. Paying out a million dollars will just about ruin the planet. And me, too. Oh, gee whiz. Do you think a burglar hired by Higgins could have slipped in here and stolen the letters? Oh, gosh, Miss Lane. How could anyone burgle a newspaper office in bright daylight? Jim's right. This was obviously an inside job done by a planet employee who slipped into the chief's office when he was out, put the key, stole the letters, and then put the key back in the desk drawer again so we wouldn't discover they were missing until we went to look for them. A uh, very neat theory, Hawkshaw, but as full of holes as a sieve. For instance? Well, to begin with, I've hardly been out of my office all day. Even had my lunch brought in. Uh-uh, correction, please. You were out over half an hour this morning when you went downstairs for breakfast. And you went to the art department with me to check on the how to fight juvenile delinquency page. You remember, Yes, please? yes, I remember. But if anyone had gone into my office when I was out, Miss Blackwright would have seen him. And she says... She says she didn't notice anyone go in. But then she never pays any attention to the copy board when they run in and out of your office. That's true. Or any familiar staff members, for that matter. Okay, okay, granted, that is true. There's still one big hole in your theory, Kent. Like what? Well, only a few of us knew where I told Jim to hide the letters. Do you think Lois or Jim or I took them out of the file cabinet? Well, certainly not. All right, then, since we don't suspect ourselves, your whole theory is cocked. Not a bit. I still insist it was an inside job, and there's only one other person who was definitely on the spot whom we haven't yet discussed. Well, who's that? 
The new office girl, Mary Hennig. Now, see here, Claude. Hey, you that's to... right. She was standing with us, Chief. Uh-huh. Now that you mention it, I do remember being surprised to find that she was sticking around. Clark Kent, how could you be so despicable as to accuse a sweet, innocent girl like Mary of being a thief? Now, wait a minute, Lois. Wait a minute. I haven't accused her yet. I simply included her as a suspect. Well, how could you even do that? Because two very strange things have happened in this office within the past 24 hours. First, Al Vincent has tipped off that his place is to be raided. And by a strange coincidence, some letters which affect Vincent's partner in crime mysteriously disappear. Hey, that does seem strange. Especially since that Henny girl was here with us when we discussed both those deals. Well, but so what, Chief? Clark himself admitted that it was a coincidence, and I don't think it's fair to suspect her any more than anyone about us. Now, just a minute, Lois. This thing is too serious to overlook any possibilities. I think Henderson or one of his detectives should investigate Mary. Yeah, so do I. Oh, no, no, Jim. Don't you see what that would do to the poor kid? Relax, Lois. If she's innocent, nothing will happen to her. I'd like to have a talk with her. She's still here, Jim? Uh-uh. She went home at 6 o'clock. Mm, look, Kent, maybe Lois is right. Maybe the kid's okay. All right, if she is, I'll apologize and there'll be no harm done. But first, I'm going to have a talk with Mary Hennig at her home. I'll see you all later. <laughs> Kent leaves, determined to investigate and talk with Mary Hennig in her home. The young girl tough is Val Vincent, the crooked pawnbroker who employs juvenile delinquents to make money for him. In response to an urgent summons from Martin Higgins, his business partner and political front, Vincent has brought Mary, also known as Chicky, to Higgins' home, an old but sumptuous brownstone house on the fringe of the tenement district. Uh, so you are Mary Hennig, huh? Yeah, that's right. We call her Chicky, Money. Chicky, you're talking to the next mayor. Not of... so fast, Al. Not so fast. We're in trouble again. Well, what do you mean? I thought everything was Jake when Chicky here lifted them letters out of the planet. That's just it. She didn't get all the letters. What? Are you kidding? I wish I were. What kind of a deal are you trying to pull? No, wait, Chicky. That's no way to talk to the next man. I don't care who he is. Nobody's going to tell me I didn't get all them letters because I know I did. And I tell you, you didn't. There's one missing. The one from Mush Brown, the slot machine king. Thanking me for all I'd done for him and mentioning a $25,000 contribution to my campaign fund. Hey, that's bad. Yeah, it's worse than you think. If that letter is still in the Dixie Planet's possession, my million-dollar lawsuit is all washed up. Because I can't prove slander. And how? Yeah, and what's more, my chances for election are... Well, they're sunk. Hey, how do you know you didn't lose that letter? You got a lot of knives saying that? Well, all I know you is that I... You stupid little punk ought to knock your teeth out for messing up this job. Hold it, Al, hold it. Maybe Chickie's telling the truth when she says she got all the letters. Yeah, maybe you're holding one of them out on me. What? Hey, now, wait a minute. You make an awfully good instrument for blackmail. You know that the planet could save its hide if it had that one letter. And you also know that they'd pay plenty for it. You could be figuring to double-cross me and sell it to them. Why, you're kidding, Marty. Why, you must be kidding. We're, we're partners. We're pals. You know I wouldn't do nothing like that to you. I think you would if you thought you could get away with it. But I also think you're too smart to try it. Because, you know, if I really thought you did it, I'd... Oh, cut it out, Marty. I turned over all the letters Chickie brought me. She must have got this one from Mushaw. Lost it. Don't you go passing the buck to me, you Oh, no, wait a minute. Chicky, what did you do when you took the letter from Mr. White's safe? I made out like I was going to lunch and met Al around the corner. I gave them to him. All of them. All right. How did you get the letters out of Mr. White's office and out of the building? I took some newspaper proofs into Mr. White's office. Like I was sent in with him. Oh. I was watching the scene he went to the art department with Miss Lane just before. So I got the key to the file out of his desk, lifted the papers, and, and put them in the, between the proofs. Then I put the key back and went to Miss Lane's office. After that, You I... could have dropped one of the letters when you were leaving Mr. White's office. I didn't know they'd have found it. When they saw the filing cabinet was empty, they tore up the whole place. All right, all right, go on. Now, you say you went to Miss Lane's office. Yeah. Just what did you do there? Come on, try to remember everything. I remember. I snitched a big envelope out of the desk and went in the closet where she told me I could hang my coat. 
I put the letters in the envelope and slipped it under my... Is it possible that you might have dropped one of the letters on Miss Lane's closet, Chicky, when you were putting them in the envelope? Yeah, how about that, Chicky? Think one of them could have dropped out when you were shoving the batch of them into your coat? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Don't think so. You gotta make sure. How can I? Only one way, stupid. Go back to the planet and take a gander in that closet. Oh, look, Al, I can't... Go on, do like I say. I'll turn you over to the cops. Okay. I'll go right now. Al, this is Chicky. Well? Listen, I'm calling from the planet. Yeah. I found the letter. Swell. It was in the closet where I must have dropped it. Okay. Hustle it over the heck of the house fast. Yeah, I'm leaving, leaving right now. Oh, no, no, no. Miss Lane. I heard your conversation, Mary. Stay away from me, Miss Lane. I'm wise to you now, you... You two-faced little thief. I warn you, Miss Lane. Be completely fooled. Stand where you are and let me pass. Oh, sir, help me. I'll let you have it. Pouched and ready to spring. Mary Hennig wraps her hand around a heavy paperweight and glowers menacing Lois Lane, who, shocked at suddenly learning that her protege is a thieving juvenile delinquent, stands rooted to the floor, her eyes blazing with justifiable anger. Will Chick make good her threat? Trapped by Lois Lane in the Daily Planet's deserted editorial offices, Mary Hennig, desperate, menaces the girl reporter with a heavy paperweight. You better let me out of here, Miss Lane. Oh, no. Not since I know now that Clark was right. It was you who tipped off Al Vincent about the raid and then stole the Hagen's letters, wasn't it? You can't prove nothing like that. That letter in your hand, the one I heard you tell someone to come, you came back for, is all the proof we need. Now give it to me, Mary. Nothing doing. I said give it to me, you nasty little Get away from me. Get. I'm oh, going to make you pay for pulling the blame with my eyes. No. I, you, I warned you. I said I was going to let you have it. Oh. looks down at the limp form of Lois Lane lying motionless on the floor where she had dropped. Swiftly, the young, tough, spent anger turns to horror, and she trembles like a leaf as it occurs to her that this time, as all who follow careers of crime inevitably do, she may have gone too far. This may be murder. What has happened to Lois Lane? And what will happen now to the planet's fight against the influences that lead to juvenile delinquency? Don't miss one moment of tomorrow's exciting episode, whatever you do. Tune in tomorrow and every day, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Hello, Pep. P-P-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents... The Adventures of Superman. Today, with Lois Lane lying still and apparently lifeless at her feet, 
Mary Hennig realizes with mounting fear that adventure and petty crime may end in murder. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, old man's son sure is on the beam these late spring days. Why, he shows up at breakfast time almost as regular as clockwork. Sheds good old sunny cheer all over the place. And gang, if you want to be on the sunbeam too, latch on to Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. There's a sunny golden toasted treat that is a treat. Crisp, delicate flakes of real whole wheat, full to the brim with sparkling sunshine flavor. It's a keen flavor, a delicious flavor, a come-on flavor that keeps your spoon coming right back for more. Makes you want to dig right in and polish the bowl clean as a whistle. And you know, that's the right idea. Sure, it's mighty important to get the good out of every bit of your breakfast dish of Kellogg's Pet. Because it's good for you, and because it's not smart to waste cereal, particularly nowadays. You see, whole wheat is one of the cereal grains picked up to send to fellows and girls all around the world. Think of that, gang, when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers. Make sure there's no waste at your house. If you pour your own Pep, take time to pour it carefully and eat up every bit you pour out. And say, kind of keep an eye on your younger brothers and sisters, too. Just make sure you eat all your Pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. Having wormed her way into a job on the Daily Planet, young Mary Hennig, who is also known as Chicky, stole certain letters from the newspaper office. Letters which exposed Martin Higgins, a candidate for mayor of Metropolis, as an ally of gangsters and racketeers. But in her guilty haste, Mary dropped one letter in a closet in Lois Lane's office. And that evening, when the planet was deserted, she returned and found it. She was using Lois's office phone to report her success to Al Vincent, a crooked pawnbroker and henchman of Higgins who hired her to steal the letters, when Lois entered and overheard her. Shocked, Lois demanded the letter. Mary refused to give it up. Lois tried to take it from her, and in the ensuing scuffle, Mary struck her on the head with a heavy paperweight. As we continue now, the girl reporter lies motionless on the carpet. Horrified at what she has done, Mary gets Al Vincent back on the phone. Listen. She's dead now. She's dead. What are you talking about, Jackie? Miss Lane, she's dead. But I didn't mean to kill her. Honest, I didn't mean to do it. So help me, I only... Wait a minute. You mean you bumped her off? Yeah, but I didn't mean to. Honest, I didn't. It, it was an accident, Al. She come in when I was talking to you. She heard everything. She said I'd be arrested, and I, I got scared, you and I... You Sam. You got us all in a jam. I didn't mean to do it. I tell you, I... Oh, shut up. Where are you? In her office. Miss Lane, she... She's laying right here. You, you gotta help me, Al. Stop whining. Did anyone see you do it? No. There was just me and her. That's a freak. Did anyone see you come in the place? The watchman and the elevator man. Oh, no, that's bad. That's why I'm afraid to go out. When they find her, they... They'll know I did it. You, you gotta tell me what to do, Al. You, you gotta help me. Let you take the rap. That's what I ought to do. You don't kid. Oh, no. No, you can't. I, I didn't mean to. It's spill everything. Listen now. We gotta get her out of there. And you too. What floor are you The tenth. But you can't get in. You gotta have a pass. Don't worry about that. Now look. Is there a lock on this office you're in? I think so, yeah. Okay. Lock it. And stay in there till the boys come. I'll send them right over. <laughs> Trembling with terror in the belief that she is a murderess, Mary Hennig locks the door to the little office and, burying her face in her hands, cowers in a corner as far away from the inert form of Lois Lane as she can get. At the same moment, unaware of what has happened, Superman in his guise of Clark Kent is talking with Mary's mother in the kitchen of a shabby tenement flat. Without realizing that Kent suspects her daughter of complicity with the crooked Higgins-Vincent group, Mrs. Hennig, instinctively worried, nervously smooths her apron with red, work-roughened hands as she tries to make her guest welcome. I hope you don't mind waiting in the kitchen, Mr. Kent. No. The children are asleep in the other room. Of course I don't mind, Miss Hennig. Uh, you don't know where Mary might be, do you? No, I don't. She should have been home by now. 
Could uh, could you tell me what you wanted to see her about? Oh, it's nothing important. It's just something that came up in the office today. I see. Tell me honestly, Mr. Kent, she, she didn't get into any trouble, did she? Well, what makes you ask that? Oh, nothing, really. I, I just asked. You see, living in this neighborhood makes me worry about Mary. Mary been giving you cause to worry, Mrs. Oh, Hennick? no. Mary's a good girl, but just the same, I worry about her because all these bad kids around here, well, you know, sometimes they give good kids bad ideas. Yes, of course. Seems like they're nearly all bad children in this neighborhood. Oh, most youngsters aren't really bad. Mm, they are around here. You don't know. Yes, I do know. They're not really bad, Mrs. Hennig. It's just that they fall into wrong ways in overcrowded tenement districts like this because of... Well, there's no place for them to play except in the streets. Yes, that's true. Start hanging around the corner pool room and join gangs and steal and smash windows just for the excitement to let off steam. Oh, I know all that, Mr. Kent. But what's a person to do? I'd move out of this neighborhood tomorrow if I could. Well, but this tenement is all I can afford, so I, I can't do anything. Now, don't you worry, Mrs. Hennig. When Henry Marshall becomes mayor, he'll tear down these slums and build decent housing and parks and playgrounds and gymnasiums. That'll go far toward wiping out juvenile delinquency. Well, I certainly hope so. Say, look, it's... Uh, after 8.30, Mary left the office over two hours ago. You said she was supposed to come right home. She was, but sometimes she, she just don't come right home. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a hurry, maybe maybe you better not wait. No, it's important that I see her. Don't you have any idea where she goes when she doesn't come home? No, I don't, Mr. Kent. Mary, well, she's changed lately. Mm-hmm. She used to tell me everything. Now she, well, she don't like me to ask questions. She says she's too grown up for that. Grown up? She's only 15, isn't she? Yes, that's all, but I, I can't seem to do anything with her anymore. You see, I'm... I'm not very well, and I, I work all day in the laundry. I don't seem to have the strength when I get home to handle her like I should. Mm, I see. When her, when her father was here, it was different. But since he got tuberculosis and had to go to the sanitarium... Sanitarium? Mary said he was dead. Oh, no. She couldn't have said that. Oh, yes. Well, now, wait a minute. Maybe she didn't. Maybe I'm wrong. Go on, Mrs. Henning. You were saying something about handling Mary. Well, I, I don't want you to think Mary's bad, Mr. Kent. She's really a good girl. It's just that... Well, I, I think she needs somebody to talk to I her. I intend to. I'd be grateful if you'd tell her how it's wrong to stay out of school like she did again today. What's that? Was her school open today? Of course. I, and I, I found out she stayed away again today. Well, it's more important than ever that I talk to her now. I, I, I've got to get out and make a phone call. Oh, but aren't you going to wait for her? No, I've got to make this call first. There's a drugstore at the corner I can phone from there. And look, please, don't worry, Mrs. Hennig. I'll do my best to work things out. Work things out? Mm-hmm. What do you mean, Mr. Kent? Well, I can't explain right now, but I'll be back later. Now, just you sit tight, and if Mary comes in, hold on to her. Mr. Kent, hey, uh-huh. what happened to you? I've been waiting in this restaurant for an hour. I'm uh, sorry, I've been tied up. Listen, Jim, when you got to the office early this morning, you found Mary Henning there, didn't you? Yeah. She thought we started work at 6.30. Cheated herself out of an hour's sleep. Uh-huh. Didn't she say there was no school today? Uh-huh. Why? Oh, nothing. I just wanted to be sure. Look, is Lois there? No, she went back to the office to finish her story. She said we should pick her up on our way to police headquarters. Oh, well, you pick her up and go over to headquarters. I'll see you there in a little while. Oh, but look. Mr. White made a date for all of us to see Inspector Henderson at 9 o'clock. Well... He'll be sore as a boil if you're not there. I can't help it, Jim. Tell him I'll be there as soon as I can. Well, that I may bring the person who stole the Higgins letters with me. No kidding. Well, listen, who is it? No time to talk now, Jim. Just do as I say. Go over to the planet, pick up Lois, and hop put it to Henderson's office. I'll see you there later. So long. <laughs> Leaving the drugstore, Kent steps into a dark doorway, strips off his business suit, and stands revealed in the blue costume and red cape of Superman. Then, up, up, and away! Leaping high into the night sky, the Man of Steel streaks away in an effort to find Mary Hennig, not realizing that he has unwittingly sent Jim Olsen on a dangerous errand. For at the same time, in Lois Lane's office at the Daily Planet, two thugs sent by Al Vincent, one of them holding a flashlight, Look into the pale, unconscious face of the girl reporter 
And Mary, shivering in fright, stands by, biting her nails. Relax, Chickie. I tell you, this dame ain't dead. Are you sure? She's so still. Uh, so... She's just out cold, but good. You might have to give her a wife to put her out like this. I didn't mean to hurt her bad. I only wanted to... Okay, okay, skip it. Yeah, stop your blubbering. We got to get out of here. We got to take this dame with us. Give me a hand, Louise. Wait. What are you taking her for? What do you want to do? Leave here to tell the cops what you've done, you dopey kid? No, Come Leah. on, come on. We're wasting time. Al Vincent's waiting for us. But how are you going to get her out of here? You can't take her down in the elevator. Yeah, we know that. We're taking her down the fire escape through the storeroom. That's how we come in. All right, come on, Louie. Grab her leg. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah. What's Al going to do to her? Will you stop killing time, you dumb dame? Besides, what's it to you what Al does to her? Well, I, I don't want her to get hurt no more, that's all. All this? What's the matter, Louie? You think somebody just come up in the elevator? This lane. This lane, where are you? Oh, creepy. Somebody looking for this lane, dame. Know who it is, Chicky? Yeah. It's Jim Olsen, a reporter. Okay, just keep quiet. We'll take care of him. Crouching in the deep shadows of the dark office, Mary and the two thugs wait quietly as Jim Olsen, blissfully unconscious of his danger, walks through the deserted city room in search of Lois Lane. What will happen? Unaware that Lois Lane lies unconscious in her office in the presence of two thugs and her attacker, Mary Hennig, Jim Olsen walks across the deserted city room calling for her. That's Tim Olsen. What'll we do if he sees us? Shut up. Get behind this door, quick. He's turning on lights. He'll see us. Not behind this door, he won't. Now be quiet. I'm scared. Oh, gee, Miss Lane. He's seen a dick there. Here he comes, Louie. Get set to let him have it. Gasping as he sees Lois Lane's motionless figure on the carpet, Jimmy Olsen, unaware of the ambush that awaits him, dashes into her office and into trouble. What will happen to the boy reporter and to Lois Lane while Superman, unaware of what is taking place, is several miles away? Don't miss the next exciting episode of this story of a fight against juvenile delinquency. Tune in again Monday, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pet. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC comic magazines, and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pet, the sunshine cereal. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Kellogg's Pep. P-E-P-Pep. Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal, presents The Adventures of Superman. Today, with Superman unaware of what has happened at the Daily Planet, Jimmy Olsen is rushing headlong into the arms of danger. Hello there, gang. This is your pal Dan McCullough. You know, you can't measure good eating with the yardstick. But for extra good eating at breakfast, Kellogg's Pep certainly measures up. 
Yes, sir. Pep the Sunshine cereal sure is on the sunbeam when it comes to making breakfast a mighty slick treat. Has loads of keen, sparkling sunshine flavor for one thing. A rare flavor that signals go-ahead to your appetite every time. Believe me, gang, the spoon that comes up filled with sunny, golden-toasted Kellogg's Pep goes right back for more. And in crispness and delicate tenderness, Pep is terrific. Every tender, crisp flake practically melts in your mouth. Why, if you're hep to Kellogg's Pep, you're hep to a smooth dish that keeps you busy until you've eaten up every last bit in your bowl, which is always a good idea because Pep is good for you. But it's especially important nowadays when we're sending cereal grains to fellows and girls overseas. So, gang, when Mom brings Kellogg's Pep home from the grocers, make sure it's not wasted. If you pour your own Pep, pour it carefully and polish off every bit you pour out. Pass the word along to the rest of your family, too. Make it your habit to eat all your Pep. Don't waste it. Now, the adventures of Superman. When, on the strength of certain letters, the Daily Planet accused Martin Higgins, a candidate for mayor of Metropolis, of being in league with criminals who encouraged juvenile delinquency, Higgins counted with a charge of slander and sued the paper for $1 million. Then, when they learned that their evidence against Higgins had disappeared, stolen, as we know, by a juvenile delinquent named Mary Hennig, also known as Chicky, our friends felt their cause was lost. Suspicious of Mary, Clark Kent went in search of her that evening. But meanwhile, Lois Lane had caught the thieving girl red-handed in the darkened newspaper office. And in the ensuing struggle, Mary struck Lois on the head with a heavy paperweight. Then, terrified at the thought of having committed murder, phoned Al Vincent, a henchman of Higgins, who had forced her to steal the letters. Vincent sent two of his thugs to the planet, and they were about to carry the unconscious Lois away when Jimmy Olsen arrived to call for her. Mary and the two men hid behind the door. And as we continue now, Jimmy, seeing Lois lying motionless on the floor of her office, rushes to her aid. As he enters the office, the two men spring out from behind the door. Listen. Okay, Louis. Let him have Yeah. That takes care of him. Yeah. Turn out like a light. What did you do to Jimmy? Fixed him so he can't bother us, that's what. Well, we better take him along. He's sing too much. There, I got him. Hey, you carry the thing, Louis. Yeah. What's it? Let's go. Lead the way, Chickie. Where to? The storeroom where the fire escape is. Go on, move. Wait. Where are you going to take him? Where do you suppose? Tell Vincent. Oh. Well, come on. What? What do you think he'll do to him? How do we know? What do you care what he does to him? Nothing, only... Well, I don't want to get mixed up in Ah, those... shut up and get moving. we got to get out of here fast. Meanwhile, unaware of what has happened to Lois and Jimmy, Editor Perry White is in the office of Police Inspector Henderson. Inspector, you've got to find those others. You've got to. Well, Martin Higgins will win this million-dollar damage suit against us. The Daily Planet will be ruined. I realize it. But you can't expect the police to protect you from that. All right, then. Oh, I'm hoarse now from trying to sell you from that angle. Now, now look at it this way. If those letters aren't recovered, Higgins will very likely be elected mayor. Now, you don't want to see that happen, do you? Personally, no. My job has nothing to do with politics, Mr. White. Who's talking about politics? This thing goes beyond politics. I told you those letters prove that Higgins does business with criminals. And he's pledged to kill the slum clearance bill. I know. Do but I what... have to remind you that those rat tenements in the slums are the breeding place of juvenile delinquency? If you'll listen a moment. Do I have to remind you, the police inspector, that juvenile delinquency is the number one problem in this country? Do you want a mayor who takes bribes from the rats who promote it? Now, look, Mr. White. I know my duty. You can skip the soapbox orations. Soapbox orations? What, 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 what were you... Now, look. You, 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 you've already lost your voice. Oh. And losing your temper won't help either. I told you we're doing everything possible to recover the letters. My men are investigating the members of your staff right now. My staff? Well, what's the idea? Because the thief must be a member of your staff. Oh, nonsense. My people have been with me for years. I know all of them. They're not thieves. Well, one of them must be. By your own admission, you were in the city room and you told Jim Olson to put the letters in a certain file in the clipping board. 
and put the key in your desk. There are thousands of files there. No outsider could have known where to look. Oh, one of your employees overheard oh, you. Oh, nonsense, I say. No, it isn't nonsense. What? Who said that? I did, Chief. Oh, Inspector. Thank you. Oh, it's you, Kent. Now, where have you been? I... Hey, what's the matter with your voice? A cold? Oh, never mind. Never mind. Now, look. You've got to help me knock some sense into Henderson's head. He's wasting time investigating the planet staff while whoever stole the letters gets away. Well, a member of the staff must have stolen them, Chief. What? You two... No one else could have known where they were. That's what I've been trying to tell him. Oh, baloney. One of Higgins' spies might have been in the city room and overheard me. It's a big place and lots of people were around. A stranger wouldn't have been permitted into the clipping morgue. Nor into your office to get the key to the file out of your desk. But, but... No, no, Chief. No, that the thief was known to be a member of the staff, or movements weren't questioned. Or even noticed. Her. You know it was a woman, Kent? Yes, I'm pretty sure I know who did it, Inspector. Well, who? Who? I want Lois to hear this. Need her help. Where is she, Chief? How do I know? And what do you need her for? Well, we do need her. Where'd she go from here? She wasn't here. She wasn't? Why, I spoke to Jim some time ago. He was going to pick up Lois at the planet and come right over. Neither Miss Lane nor Jim were here tonight, Kent. That's but listen, strange. I, I, did they phone? No, they didn't. And never mind them right now. You say you know who stole the letters? Oh, that, wait, right now I'm worried about Lois and Jim. They, they should have been here to keep an appointment with me. Besides, I told Jim I might bring the guilty person with me. They, they wouldn't have missed that. Oh, stop worrying. Stop worrying. Something else must have come up. Now, look. Just a moment, Chief. Wait a minute. May I use your phone, Inspector? Go right ahead. Thanks. Blasted Kent, will, will you stop stalling and tell us what you know? Huh? Oh, you want the name of the thief? No. No, I want the name of your barber. Barber? Confound it. If you don't get start talking, I... Hey, I, hey, I, hey. Here it is. I'm pretty sure the thief is Mary Hennig. What? Mary who? Mary Hennig. Well, who's she? The youngster we just hired. Fifteen-year-old girl. Who... Kenny, you out of your mind. Well, not at all. Just who is this girl, Kenny? Well, she's a nice youngster. Friend of Lois's. Yet no more stole the letters than, than, than I did. Nobody answers at the planet. No, of course not. Everyone went home hours ago. No. 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 Who are you calling now? Lois's apartment. Why do you suspect this Hennig girl, Kent? Well, I became suspicious of her last night, Inspector, after the raid on Al Vincent's point job had been tipped off. She was in the office with Mr. White, Lois, Jim, and me when we were discussing it. And nobody else knew about it. Now, I... Police know about it. The leak might have come from there. Now, look, or Mr. White, I don't like skip that. Skip it, Inspector, skip it. I was about to say we knew that Vincent's pawn shop is a hangout for juvenile delinquents where he teaches them to steal and then buys the stolen stuff from them. Now, my hunch is... That this Henny girl is a juvenile delinquent working for Vincent and Higgins, eh? Exactly. Nonsense, nonsense. Lois doesn't pick juvenile delinquents for friends. Well, Lois was fooled just the way the rest of us were. I just want to ask her one question. It'll prove whether I'm right or wrong. Well, where are you going to find her? I don't know. Apparently not at her apartment, either. I don't like this. Where is she? And where's Jim? Oh, don't worry about them. They're not babies. Well, now, I am worried. I'm going to look for them. I'll see you later. Worried when Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen failed to appear at police headquarters, Clark Kent, who, as we know, is Superman, went to the Daily Planet to search for them. But Lois and Jimmy are now in a basement room of a shabby tenement building guarded by Al Vincent's henchmen, Steve and Louie. In a room of the apartment above, Al Vincent is questioning Mary Henning. You sure nobody seen you when you came down the fire escape at the planet, Chicky? No, it was dark, and the fire escape's in the alley. But listen, Al, well, I... Well, you've done a good job getting all the letters, kid. You almost bowled it up socking that thing. But you see, I took care of you. It's like I told you, kid. While you're working with me, you got nothing to worry about. Yeah, but I... Well, we sitting pretty. Marty Higgins will collect a lot of dough from the Daily Planet, put them out of business so they can't bother him no more, and be elected mayor, too. Oh, then we'll be sitting on top of the world, Chicky. Sure, but... How about Lois Lane and Jim Olsen? What are you going to do to them? I'll take care of them. Don't worry. What do you mean, you... You'll take care of them. Don't worry, I tell you. I got a little scheme dreamed up to get rid of them and make it look like they had a little accident. You mean you're... You're going to kill them? Who, me? No. 
I said they were going to have an accident. Oh, you can't. That... That'll be murder. So what? Marty Higgins and I don't play for peanuts. There's Big Doe on the line here. Big Doe. Those two just happened to be in our way. So we put them out of the way, that's all. But I told you I don't want to get mixed up in no murders. You told me. Yeah. Besides, I, I like Miss Lane. She was good to me. She's she okay. was good to you. <laughs> Why, you dopey kid. Don't you know that if you hadn't slugged her tonight, she'd have had you in the clink by now? I don't care. You, you can't kill her, Al. Uh, be smart, you little sap. Don't you realize if we don't get rid of her, you'll do a long stretch? Or maybe even go to the chair. The chair? Me? Yeah, you. You helped kidnap her tonight. And the Olsen kid, too. Kidnappers get the chair in this state, baby, see? But I, I didn't mean to do nothing except steal the letters. I didn't want to get mixed I'll up and... try telling that to the judge and see how far you get. You're in this up to your neck, chickie. And the only way you can save your neck is by playing ball with me. If you do that, you got nothing to worry about. But the minute you get any other ideas... Remember, there's a hot seat waiting for you. Terrified, Mary Hennig stares at the ruthless pawnbroker, then looks wildly around the room like an animal seeking a way out of a steel trap. Too late, she has learned what lies at the end of the juvenile delinquency trail. And what chance is there for Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen, as even now Superman stands puzzled in the darkened Daily Planet City room, wondering what has happened to his friend. Tomorrow's episode is fast and exciting, gang, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station, as the Man of Steel tries to close in on the dangerous criminals who seek to control Metropolis and defile its youth. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC comic magazines and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time by Kellogg's Pep, the sunshine cereal. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!